With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Hunt Palmer. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. This is Hunt Palmer. Working towards the weekend. Hope your Friday is going awesome. Our Friday show is brought to you by Corks Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Lots of baseball talk in hour number one. Transition to some hoops here in hour number two. I'll give you my thoughts on the men's final four coming up in 15 minutes. We'll get uh, Michael Cobble from Houston, from Dallas, as he's with the women in the final four as they play later tonight. But we'll start with the Pels in hour number two. And for that, we bring on our guy, David Grubb, a part of the Paint Podcast. David, how are you on this Friday? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I think the Pels are doing pretty well. You've got to consider whoever played. I, I don't really care. They went out there, went out west and won three of four. That's got to be a success. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, best case scenario is what happened for them. Um, you, you would hope that they would steal one on the road um, outside of the Portland game, and they took two from two winning teams. So um, to get that win over the Nuggets, like you said, it doesn't matter. It, it just shows up as a, as a W on the win column. <laughs> You would have liked to see them hold on to that one against the Warriors. But at this point of the year, um, you'll take what you can get as far as winning, and they've won six out of seven. I, I want your opinion on – we'll go back to the Warriors game here. On the Warriors' postgame reaction with Kerr and, and, and what he said and Draymond and what he said to the theatrics that went on during the game, what are your thoughts on the whole Draymond situation there? Independently, I would say that Draymond probably should have been ejected in the first half. And if they had been on the road, maybe that would have happened. Um, with them being in their home arena, you know, things go the way they go. But ultimately, this is what veteran teams do to younger teams. You know, the, the, we've seen this with Golden State and, and Memphis. When Memphis talked to them last year and, and Draymond stepped into this kind of, you know, into that role. That's what he does for his teammates. But at the same time, you know, veteran teams have always played psychological games on the team that's coming up behind them, whether it was the bad boys doing it to Michael Jordan, whether it's the Celtics when they were dealing with LeBron. You know, so we've always seen this, and I think it's just it's par for the course as teams get older. They, they start to talk a little bit more to try to get the mental edge on teams that are maybe a little bit more athletically gifted than they are. Do you think it impacted the Warriors more or the Pelicans more? I think it impacted the Pelicans, actually, because I think – you know, when you get into those circumstances, you can't change your mindset. And the Pelicans got out of what they were doing well in the first half. They started taking shots um, earlier. They weren't boxing out as well. The energy changed really quickly at the start of the second half. So I think, you know, for the Warriors, they're used to this. Draymond, that was his 16th tech of the year, 17th technical of the year. So they're used to this. So I think for the Pelicans, it's, it's, it's frustrating because it threw them off their game. Chatting with David Grubb, Hard in the Paint podcast, talking some Pels. All right, they've won six of seven. Um, what are they doing better? Well, you know, the first thing you have to consider is the quality of the opponent. Sure. You don't take anything away from a victory, but for the most part, 
they played against some pretty um, compromised foes, either by their record with Houston, um, Portland, uh, Charlotte, San Antonio. Those those weren't you know teams that they should have had a problem with. But I think the biggest part is confidence plays a big part in this. Brandon Ingram playing the best basketball he's played of the entire season um, has been huge for them. Trey Murphy stepping into that second scorer's role for the most part has been so big. And then they were able to utilize Jonas Valanciunas against teams that didn't have outstanding interior presences. So they took advantage of everything that was at their disposal in those wins. I think for VI, we know what he has to be for the Pels to be as good as they can be. Which role is more important moving forward for this team, the, the shooting and scoring ability of Murphy or what Herb Jones brings defensively and then whatever he gives you offensively? What's a more a bigger piece to this team if they want to make a little run here? They have to be able to score. Yeah. Uh, because defensively, I mean, this team is top five in the NBA by ranking. So whatever they're doing as a team is working right now, but they have to be able to score. When they go through droughts and you can take away Brandon Ingram, who else can create for themselves? There's just not enough. You know, C.J. McCollum struggles at that at times, and he's not a big guy. So to be able to have Trey Murphy at 6'10", to be able to step out there, shoot from any distance, and to be able to finish at the rim, he gives you a threat that they don't really have offensively outside of Ingram. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I just When Murphy plays really well, I think this team just kind of looks a little bit different to me. Um, all right, we sit here now as we turn the calendar to April. We're looking at five games left. Um, what's realistic for the Pelicans? Is it realistic to avoid the play-in? I think it is now because we're down to really 11 teams here. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that you look at it, the, the gap is so narrow. Um, the Pelicans are in a good position considering where Oklahoma City is, considering some of the injuries that have taken place as of late with the teams around them. So if they can go three and two here, that puts them at 500 for the season. Um, and, and I think that'll get you into that top six. If they can get to 500, if they can get a game over and go four and one, well then, yeah, I think they're, they're comfortably in that six. But um, 500 is where they want to be. And at the worst, you want to be no lower than seventh. Um, or eighth, because at least then you have the option of having one of those games at home. Right. I think that'll be critical if you're in the plan in this circumstance. Having a home game is going to be the thing maybe that extends your season. What kind of environment do you expect in uh, in these home games coming up this week? The first two will be huge, and I think the crowds will be there for those. Saturday um, against the Clippers, a team that the Pelicans have had a lot of success against. It'll be, it'll, I think there's no reason to expect that the crowd won't be big. Now, what happens on Saturday will certainly dictate how the crowd comes in Tuesday, and then Tuesday even more so the game after that. But I think these fans are going to give this team everything that they have. They just want to see that come back from the team. What does your gut tell you the end result is for this Pelicans team? How far do you think they push this? I think they can be a tough out in the first round, but you haven't seen enough consistently based on the teams at the top of the West to think that they can win a series. Now, if Zion Williamson comes back and he looks dynamic, then, of course, we can amend all predictions. That yeah. changes everything. But realistically, I'd say they can make it into the first round and be a tough out of six or seven game uh, close. What does your gut tell you what Zion's impact on this team is going to be? The impossible question to answer. That is an impossible question, <laughs> but my best guess would say 
you bring him back, he's going to have to play a low, lower amount of minutes. He can score, but I don't know how good of a defender and how good a shape he'll be in. And putting him into that pressure, that cauldron of the playoffs at this stage, I just I, I'm worried about it. But you take that risk if it's Zion Williamson. Pels and Clippers Saturday night, seven thirty in the Blender for all your Pels stuff. David Grubb, Hard in the Paint podcast, uh, frequently joins us. We appreciate the time. Have a great weekend, David. Thanks so much. You do the same. Sure will. He is David Grubb talking all things Pels. Successful trip out west. I mean, I, you know, where you're looking at a team as David has told us, they had not won a, a road game against a winning team since Halloween, and they went out there and they beat the Clippers, and they went out there and they beat Denver, and yeah. Those teams were a little compromised injury-wise, but as far as I can see, Zion didn't play either, and they don't take it off the scoreboard. So they went out there and won. Now they're going to get uh, four straight home games before a trip to Minnesota to finish things out. Incidentally, Nas Reed uh, broke his wrist, so he'll be out for the year. That's disappointing for Nas, who was having a, a really nice season. But the Pels um, in good shape right now. They did better than you would have thought, and like to have that game in Houston back and certainly the fourth quarter against Golden State back, but they're playing better basketball right now, which is all you can really ask for at this time of year. Time to get it done against the uh, the Clippers Saturday night inside the blender at 7.30. Michael Cobble is in uh, Dallas. I keep wanting to say Houston. That's where the men are. The women are in Dallas. Um, Michael Cobble is in Dallas. We'll talk about LSU's Final Four matchup coming up later tonight with him in 20 minutes. But when we come back, I'll give you my thoughts on the men's Final Four, which cranks up tomorrow from Hustletown. Back with more on the Hunt Palmer Show. Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get it on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash 104.5 ESPN and sign up today to claim your no-sweat-first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. I'll give you my pick coming up. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use, so don't miss your shot at a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash 104.5 ESPN to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Must be 21 and present in Louisiana. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issues and knowledge bonus bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. If you're somebody who knows a gaming problem won't help, call 1-877-770-STOP. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Friday shows brought to you by Corks, Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Get on by Corks. Get some of that delicious fried catfish, fried gulf shrimp, delicious French fries. Awesome, awesome stuff over there, Corks. So on government between Foster and Jefferson. Only four teams left in college basketball on the men's side. NIT got decided last night. I don't know who won, but I know that UAB lost. And I know that Shea Dixon, our guy who loves Eric Gaines, bet an Eric Gaines parlay on points, assists, and rebounds. None of them hit. Literally missed all three legs of the parlay. And UAB lost. So I don't know who beat them in the NIT, but they didn't win. More locked in on the on the actual Final Four of college basketball. That'll crank up tomorrow at 5.09 our time. It'll be Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Then the nightcap is Miami and UConn at 7.49 our time. Um I'll give you some thoughts on the Final Four here. And, you know, I would much prefer that it be Duke and Kansas and Kentucky and UCLA in this thing. I would prefer to see that. But there is an intrigue to seeing what Florida Atlantic and San Diego State and Miami can do on this stage. UConn's a power brand. We know UConn. They're 
they're back for the first time in a while. But um, I'm I'm curious to see how they respond. And I think it's interesting that they're playing against each other, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Again, I'd rather watch the big boys. But we've got a Cinderella story, and one of those teams is going to play for a title on Monday. And we'll see if it goes like TCU in Georgia, or we'll see if we get a Cinderella story with a win. Butler gave it a hell of a go and didn't quite get there. We'll see what these two teams can do. A um, little betting nugget for you. I'm sure the Ott father was all over this during his show. I'm sure Hanny was all over this. But the uh, the under has hit on the San Diego State game 12 in a row. 12 straight under. So the total in the Florida Atlantic-San Diego State game is 132. Um, this is a little bit of a redemption story for San Diego State. You probably don't recall this because I remember actually Dayton being that so good in 2020 and not getting a chance to play in a tournament. But San Diego State that year was 30-2. and two. And then COVID hit and the, the tournament got canceled. So they're back with a good team. They are the slowest team left. They're the best defensive metric team left. And they're the oldest team left. They've got a style. Pretty slow, defensive. They're veterans. Their coach, Brian Dutcher, I was watching San Diego State in one of the weekends. I can't remember if it was the first weekend or the second weekend. And I go, how do I know that guy? I'm, where do I know this guy from? I've watched the Fab Five documentary a number of times, the 30 for 30 on the Fab Five that Jalen Rose did. And Brian Dutcher gets interviewed a lot in that because he was the recruiting guy that was going to get him for Steve Fisher when they were at Michigan at the time. So Brian Dutcher recruited the Fab Five. He took over for Steve Fisher at San Diego State. Um, and he's been to three Final Fours with Michigan. They had that title team, and then the Fab Five obviously went twice. So he's been in this scene. His players obviously haven't, but he's been there. Um, teams in the NCAA tournament are shooting 17% from three-point range against San Diego State. That is some quality D. Uh, Darian Trammell is their best scorer right now. He can play. He's 5'10", but he can play. And he's going to be the guy that they're going to they're going to ask to to carry a lot of the load offensively. They're a defense first team. Florida Atlantic is not. Um, a nine seed has never gotten to the national title game. Nine plus seed has never gotten to the national title game. So we'll see if FAU can do that because they are a nine. Um, they're thirty five and three on the year, and all three losses have been true road games. They are six and one against the Ken Palm top fifty, which I thought was interesting. They went 2-1 and one against the SEC. They beat Kansas State, who was really good in the Big 12. So they're pretty tested. Seven games against the top 50, they're 6-1. and one. It's a good basketball team. Their, their center, Vlad Golden, was recruited and signed and, and went to Texas Tech with, when Chris Beard was there. Ended up at Florida Atlantic. So he was a highly thought of, highly, highly thought of enough high school player that Texas Tech, in their prime, wanted him. And then John L. Davis has been great in the tournament for FAU. He's averaging 17 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, they're going to rely on the threes, Florida Atlantic is. There's just no question. And I don't like that. I don't like that in a massive arena. A massive, you know, you get into a gym like Florida Atlantic, which literally is a gym. Like, it's comfy to shoot in there. You get into these massive Final Four settings Relying on jump shots is is a certainly a lot harder than relying on defense. That's why I like San Diego State. I will lay the two and a half uh, with the Aztecs because I think um, that they're, what they're good at is more catered for this stage. If you're nervous, you can still play defense. Tougher to shoot. If the arena's massive, tougher to shoot, easier to play some defense. And that's what San Diego State's built this team off of. So I think San Diego State is going to win this game. I think they win it by more than two and a half. I will lay the points with the Aztecs. 
Um, should be a fun one in the nightcap as well with Miami and UConn. Um, by now, you know that I think UConn is the best team going. I th- said that after the first two rounds. I thought that, that UConn was played the best basketball. That's been pretty evidence. I mean, they've won four NCAA tournament games by an average of 22.7 points per game. They've won their four games by a combined total of 91 points. They're balanced. They can do it all. They're holding teams to 59 points per game in the tournament. They're great on defense. They can also score. Adama Sinogo is great on the block. He's got the most points in this tournament of anybody left. He scored 80. And when he scores 20 points in a game, UConn is 19-0. And I don't know if a guard-heavy Miami team is ready to deal with Sinogo on the block. And oh, by the way, UConn's guard's pretty good too. Jordan Hawkins against Arkansas and Gonzaga was 9 of 19 from 3. He scored 44 points in those two teams against in those two games against good teams in Arkansas and Gonzaga. Against Arkansas, he was nine of nine from the free throw line. He's kind of what makes him go offensively, but I think Sonogo is the guy that's difficult for Miami to deal with because Miami's such a guard heavy team. But the fact of the matter is that Miami just wants to run. They just want to go. Um look, this is not them on this stage is a little bit new for us, Miami on the basketball stage, but they're not some like little upstart here. They've been under Jim Blairnega to four Sweet 16s. Like they are making to the second weekend a lot with Jim Blairnega, who's a great coach. Um, Jordan Miller was sensational in the uh, in the Texas game. He pulled a Leitner, went 13 for 13 from the free throw line and seven of seven from the floor. That's all 20 shots he put up went in. Pretty good. Um, and that's what this Miami team is. They're just an offensive force. They're fifth in the country in, in offensive efficiency. Listen to the point totals that they've put up in the NCAA tournament. They scored 85 on Indiana. Indiana gives up 69 per game. So that's 16 points over Indiana's defensive average. They scored 89 on Houston. Houston gives up 58 a game. That's 31 over the average. 89 points on Houston. They scored 88 on Texas. Texas gives up 69 a game. That's 19 points over Texas's average. They are dicing up good defenses. But their problem is they're not a good defensive team. They're 104th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. So I look at the line, Connecticut, five. Can I see Miami having a great shooting night and getting a win? I can. It's just hard, and it's way easier for me to sit there and and lay the points. I'm laying the points in both of these games. I like UConn over Miami because they're a complete team. Miami's a little one-sided. Now, that one side is a hell of a deal. Ask Houston. They stopped everybody all year. 59, 58 points per game is what they gave up. And Miami torched them for 89. So it can be done, but I just like the complete aspect of UConn's team. And I personally think, and we'll talk about this on Monday, and we'll see what happens. If UConn beats Miami, I think they might annihilate somebody on Monday. Florida Atlantic and San Diego State have earned the right to be here. They've won the games that were put in front of them. Was the draw pretty good, especially for Florida Atlantic? Yes, it was. Didn't have to play the one seed. But I think it could be an issue on Monday. But in an event, you're going to see a team in San Diego State or Florida Atlantic from out of nowhere playing for a title on Monday. I I'd rather Duke show up. That's me. But it's going to be interesting. If Miami beats UConn, 
I think he could be in for for a doozy on Monday. But we'll break down Monday's game when we get to uh, to Monday's game. I'm I'm very excited for the Final Four. LSU baseball against Tennessee is a one o'clock game on Saturday, so they'll be uh, just about done right when the the Final Four tips off. That should be some uh, some interesting viewing for sure. Florida Atlantic and San Diego State at 5:09 on CBS. Miami and UConn at 7:49. I don't know where they come up with these TV times, but that's just uh, that's the way it goes. I get emails every week during football season saying start time 7:07, start time 7:06, whatever it may be. Uh, so 5:09 is where you'll get your your uh, your tip against with Florida Atlantic and San Diego State, two teams that have combined to go 66 and nine on the season. So a lot of wins those two teams. Those are my picks. Lay the points. I don't know what the Yacht Father said, but I'm laying the points in the final four. Should be a good one on Saturday. Our Friday show is brought to you by Cork's Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Corksfishandshrimp.com. Check out the menu. I promise you it will look very, very attractive to you. They got those fried green beans with the homemade ranch. They got great sauces. They got your cork sauce, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I personally am a cork sauce guy. Goes wonderfully with their fried fish. And fried shrimp. So get on by Corks on Government Street and try them uh, this weekend. If it's a, it's a Lenten Friday, trying to abstain from meat, swing on by there for uh, for dinner. They do a great job with the drive through. They got somebody there that's ready to take your card, ready to take your order. You put a name on it, swipe it with them, drive around. They get you out of there real quick. Corksfishandshrimp.com is the website. All right, let's take a timeout. Let's come back. Michael Cobble, let's see if I can get it right this time, is in Dallas. Lady Tigers tonight. At 6 o'clock, he will set the scene for us. Can they advance for the first time in either LSU's men's or women's history to the national final? LSU's Ofer in final four games. We'll see if that changes tonight. We'll get Cobble's thoughts on it next on the Hunt Palmer Show. This is Hunt Palmer. This is Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. You were with us last week. We went up to Greenville. We talked about tulips and how beautiful Greenville was with Michael Cobble of Channel 2. Now Cobble has ventured to a different part of the world. He's in Dallas. Are there tulips in Dallas? Buddy, let me tell you, no. This is uh, this was a shock. This was back to the real world. We're not in Greenville anymore. <laughs> The concrete jungle in the Metroplex? Oh, my goodness, buddy. Let me tell you. Accosted. Oh, no. The urine in the streets. Oh, I mean, no. You are, in a, you are in a big city. Let me tell you. The Cobble's uh, house not for sale in Baton Rouge once again. No. I think he's going to no. return back to the capital city here, so we're all fortunate for that. All right, Michael. Um, what did you make of the way that LSU played last weekend? Mm, 
know, scrappy, gritty, mature. Maybe those are the things that I think of when I think of kind of the way that they're playing right now. Finding a way to get it done, right? Definitely not their best offensive performances, but they're they're staying in it with their defense. Someone is stepping up and kind of carrying the team with them. Uh, different days, it's been different people, so that you know that's good. And I guess the idea that just you know they still have their best basketball in front of them, they haven't played it yet, is maybe a good thing. But but the time is certainly running short, right? You want to you want to get that out, get it on the court, and make sure you're, you you know. You don't leave it in your bag, so to speak. How much credit do you give LSU for Miami's awful shooting performance? I give them a, I give them a fair amount. I mean, I definitely do. I think that the, just the defense both teams played in that game uh, was was on performance. You know, I mean, it it not, nobody shot it well, but I think that there were a lot of reasons why, right? And maybe one of them is the ball. Kim's been kind of harping on that a little bit. Just a, it seems like a very rubberized ball. I don't think she wants to come out and say it, but I feel like she thinks it's a playground ball, like an outdoor rec ball, um, because it doesn't have that real – it has that real synthetic rubber feel to it, I guess. It's, it's kind of some of the issues. And I know Alexis Morris has had a hard time, you know, dribbling it and, and you know the feel of it she said it right away when she was in warm-ups talking to herself getting the dribble down you know like you could you could hear her talk about it and i know other people have been shooting it well so you can't use it as, as that much of a crutch but I, I do think that there's some acclimation going on to that have you talked to other teams other players other reporters people that cover, cover the team that is this is this new ball a storyline here it's How kind of yeah, exactly right. Well, I mean, hey, same way the team changes their shoes, you know, as far into the season, they just they go with what they got, I guess. But um, it was an issue in the men's tournament at the beginning. I think you kind of, I don't know if it's a coordinated effort to kind of squash it, but no, Kim's really been the only one that's kind of been beating the drum on that, which is why I think it hasn't gotten a lot of national traction. So for the final four runs that um, that most of us remember, there were certainly some people that saw the the men go to final fours in the eighties, but we remember the the five straight that the women went to, which was kind of Sylvia and Simone were were those teams. Um, and then you look at at LSU's men's run in 06 that a lot of us remember. That was kind of an AAU team that that got hot and, and made it go. What's the story on this team? What what is this team's personality? I think the story is the fact that that, that it is patchwork job right i mean the, the thing that is remarkable hon if you look at the collection of personnel there's no way that this team should be playing in the final four there, there just isn't you know they've they got a talented big who didn't play a ton of minutes and they made they maximized her they've got a chip on the shoulder four-time transfer point guard yeah. that's you know really just trying to prove the world wrong about her as a person um they've got the quietest girl in the game you know, that just brings her lunch pail to work every day and does work down low that most people don't want to do. They've got a girl off the team that beat them last year to come in and show them how they need to play physical and tough in Kateri Pool. Um, I mean, it's just a mis- it's the island of misfit toys, right? But it's working right now. And that's why I think you have to give Kim a ton of credit. Um, they don't have shooters. You know, they, they do rebound with the best of them. Uh, I wouldn't say they have a guard that's going to take over the game. But 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 they get the job done. Uh, it's remarkable. It, it really is. And I don't. It's that's hard to do in a newscast. It's hard to break yeah. it down and have a, a real conversation. But radio, we get a little bit more time to do. But that's the reality of it. That's where they are. And it's only going to get better. Like they're getting real players next year. Um, this is this is the the first foot into the the water. You know, I think it's, they're going to be standing in the pool for a while. Hopefully it feels like kind of those early skip teams that were knocking, knocking, knocking on the door in the 80s and finally broke through, and it worked out uh, pretty well there in the 90s. So 
Um, what's their pers personality been? Obviously, a lot of media obligations and responsibilities over this week. What's kind of been the, the tone for the players and, and for Kim? It's interesting. When you talk to the players, they're happy to be here. Like, super excited is a word that they use often, right? Super excited, super excited. And, you know, they're, they're teenage girls, maybe early 20s, you know. Uh, so, like, you, you expect that. But I do feel like they're excited, you know. They do feel like they can compete something that I've noticed now uh, in the final four that we didn't experience in Greenville is a little bit more edge to their confidence. Like I really feel like they're being disrespected to some degree. Um, and everybody sees them as these glamor girls, right? Like just the Bayou Barbie and angel with the lashes, and, you know, let's take pictures and sign autographs things. But I think they really want to show that their game belongs on this stage as well. So that's a new edge, I guess, to them that I'm, that I'm picking up since we've gotten here in Dallas. Play the one seed Virginia Tech uh, at six o'clock tonight. Uh, tell me what you know about Virginia Tech. It seems like every team that LSU plays is the kind of basketball team that you want to have, right? They share the ball. They get scoring from all five positions. Uh, they can defend, you know. But but I feel like again, you're kind of running into that. You have a really good big and you have a really good point guard in Virginia Tech, and I think they both. This is an interesting wrinkle to their story. Um, their point guard, Georgia Amor, is from Australia. So she came during COVID, never met the coach until she was in his office signing the paperwork. Um, and then COVID hit. Well, she went to go live with Liz Kitley, their big center, family. Not like in her room, like dorm room, like her family, her house. She lived with her for four months. So they really got a good rapport. And, and it kind of translates now that they're out on the field, on the court together, I should say. Um, so they're the they're the peanut butter and jelly of that team, right? They got a couple of role players that can that can make some noise, but but Amor can shoot it from anywhere. Uh, she's third in the country in made three pointers with 114 uh, behind Mike Sell and um, Caitlin. So I mean, like you're talking about some of the best shooters in the country. They're here in Dallas, and LSU has to face one of them tonight. I think one of the keys in basketball at any point, and, and so it goes without saying, is staying out of foul trouble for Angel Reese is probably mission number one for LSU. But if you had a key player or a key aspect of the game tonight against Virginia Tech, where would that be for the Tigers? I think it's going to be that, that guard matchup. Who's going to who's going to get that assignment? Is it going to be Flajay Johnson, the freshman? Because uh, she's athletic and may be able to stay with her. And she's long. You know, she might be able to get those closeouts. Or is it going to be Kateri Poole, who they've really kind of brought in as a defensive stopper? They they sub Jasmine Carson out. They're you know their shooter on the team. She just she hasn't been consistent enough to warrant the minutes played. And she's a liability on the defensive end. So you know, I think you wanted to get a little bit of toughness. You played those Big Ten teams. Kateri played at the Big Ten. She she made you know a lot of sense to put her back in there. So um, I think that guard matches. Guard matchup is going to be interesting, and, and you're right about the fouls. Um, both Ladesia, Ladesia had about nine minutes till the first half yeah. uh, in their last game, and you know Angel has been getting more foul issues, for foul problems here the deeper she gets into the tournament. So that'll be something to watch again. But it, but look, it, it won't matter much. I don't think if they can't score. I think that's the story tonight. They, they haven't scored the ball well. They're going to have to get some buckets. You can play defense, but I, but I have a feeling Virginia Tech's going to get some points. You know, this might be a a mid-60s game again, and Kim will be telling people to turn it off at half, but, <laughs> but uh, LSU's going to have to get some buckets. Wouldn't it be nice if a couple of threes went in in the first quarter? I mean, just you know, just break the break the lid off. You know, you you joke, but, like, that's against Michigan. That was the recipe for success. They brought Jasmine off the bench. She knocked down two threes in a row, and LSU was able to pull away and separate from there on out. Um, 
it's a it's a confidence thing, right? We see it go down, and maybe this is a different state. I thought Greenville's rings were a little tight. We'll see what it looks like here in the Final Four in Dallas. The road from 0-7 to 0-14 is real quick, and it can happen in a hurry if you're just missing, <laughs> missing a bunch of shots. Do you give, Speaking of shooting, do you give Caitlin Clark and that, uh, that Iowa offense a chance tonight against South Carolina? I do, but they're going to have to they're going to have to knock them all down. Yeah. You know, they're just South Carolina's just they're just built different, dude. Like it's when you see Cardoza in, in person and the way she plays, I mean, there's just not an answer for it. You know, and I know it's funny because uh, uh, God, uh, Boston's the one that gets all the pub, but Cordoza and Zaire, you know, they're the ones that that really make it work for her. And she get you know, Boston has regular games where she's getting twelve to fourteen points a game because they don't need her to. You know. Um, so I think I was going to knock down those shots and it could get interesting. I hope I pray to God it does. Right. I just want to see, want to see somebody give them a challenge. <laughs> Cause just, I don't know what, the, I don't know what the finals are going to look like. You know, that might, yeah. that, that one right there might be the, the real finals that we're looking at. Yeah, there, they are an animal. No doubt about it. Did you get a chance to watch the tigers and Vols last night? No, I went back and uh, rewatched the highlights. Golly. How about lucky land casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. JT, I mean, just coming up clutch. And just the circumstances to get all those guys on the bags in front of them. I mean, just like that, that is baseball, right? Like you just, you get a guy, a guy hit by a pitch, you get, you know, two balls that didn't get out of the infield, you know, and, and it loads the bases and he comes through with the parking one in the gap. I mean, just phenomenal stuff. Love what Skeens is doing, obviously. And I, I don't know if this was your show and I caught it before, um, before we left, or maybe it was somebody else's show on the way up, but just talking about not giving Tennessee a chance to chirp back, yeah, you know, and to get, rough and rowdy the way they want to um seem like LSU you know played it to script just like uh, they needed to so good for them and it's exciting you know to see what goes up this is it's a shame this all has to happen Friday at six o'clock right you know yeah but, it's, a, uh, it's there's gonna be a lot of households in Louisiana with two TVs on today tonight there's no question about that no doubt about it uh, what do y'all got uh, coming up from uh, from Dallas well we'll be live at four the team should be arriving then then we're going to uh, bring you reports at five and six of course the game tips at six and then after the game we'll be trying to carry the post game live so i would just say you know if you're interested in it check out our socials either wbrz or or us on twitter and we'll be sending you you know kind of as best we can um kind of sights and sounds of what we're seeing here in this one we'll hold it down at the box enjoy uh enjoy dallas hopefully you get to stay a couple more days yeah there's a moscona just gave me some kind of a mexican restaurant recommendation oh. i gotta try so we'll give that a shot hopefully if we can stick around through tomorrow there you go. Thanks, Cobble. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Hunt. Take care. He is Michael Cobble, WBRZ Channel 2, over there with the Lady Tigers in Dallas. A 6 o'clock tip for LSU and Virginia Tech. Tigers 32-2. and two. Virginia Tech is 31-4. and four. I, Look, I think it's just important for LSU to knock down some shots early. They're, they're not a great offensive team. They're a very good defensive team, a great rebounding team. Virginia Tech can score, as Cobble said. Now, LSU's a one-and-a-half-point favorite, so we'll see what uh, what happens here. But um, it's going to be a tall task, and hopefully LSU can get it done and then watch the show as Caitlin Clark gets a swing at, uh, in South Carolina. She can score from anywhere, and I will see if that's enough to take down the Lady Gamecocks. But 
A lot of fireworks. A lot happening at 6 o'clock for LSU with baseball playing over at the box and then basketball, the lady basketball team over there in Dallas. We'll come back and close it all down. It's a Friday edition of the Hunt Palmer Show. This is Hunt Palmer. You're listening to Hunt Palmer on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Just heard that promo from Matt. He'll be at Hogs for the Cogs for AFR today. Hogs is such a fun time. Never been down there. Just delicious food everywhere. Great music in the air. Beverages flowing. It is always a a lot, a lot of fun. I would uh, invite any of you that are going down to Hogs for the Cogs to check out a couple of tents. Uh, Pig Lit is awesome. I got some buddies that do a great job with that. They were, it was their first year last year and they killed it. Um, and then Captain Porkenheimer. I know a few buddies over there as well. They just do one item. They only do one item. That's the all that's at the tent. It's pulled pork mac and cheese, and it is incredible. So if you're going down to, to Hogs for the Cause, try out uh, Pig Lit and Captain Porkenheimer. Those are phenomenal. Uh, always a good time. I, this is my favorite time of the year. I just love it. I love, obviously, college baseball. Opening day yesterday. MLB is in full swing. Got the Final Four coming up this weekend. That's awesome. The Masters is next week. That's awesome. It is, uh, it's an awesome, awesome time of the year. Um, so hopefully you'll uh, get out there and enjoy something, some of it, this weekend. Should be uh, should be a good one. All right, Delandra, let's play some Take It or Leave It. All right, Hunt. Last night, a Dodgers fan jumped out of the outfield bleachers and proposed. I have the video. <laughs> okay. play, so, it, play it for those who are on video. YouTube. This is an utterly preposterous move by this guy. If you're watching on YouTube, he jumps out of the outfield bleachers, runs into center field, drops down on a knee, and then pulls out a ring and then gets absolutely obliterated like a middle linebacker-style form tackle by the cop while he's down on one knee. This has to be one of the stupidest decisions I've ever seen. I have been fortunate enough to propose twice in my career. Hopefully I'm done with that. None of them involved jail time like this guy. You're supposed to, like, celebrate after you get engaged. Go have some drinks, meet some friends, go get dinner, whatever is going to happen. He's in jail because he's a moron. And he ju- it's not romantic. You got form tackled by a security guard in center field and you're handcuffed. What's the fiance now supposed to do? Uh, she probably said no. I mean, is this a situation where you might just say no? You're, you're, we're done? I looked at the comments under the tweet and she said yes. Well, she's an idiot too. Is she, she's going to run out there so she can get arrested and they go to jail together? I mean, what's the play here? This is... This is preposterous. Got to be the worst proposal ever. And so I had a, I had a friend that I, I certainly I had a friend that had maybe the worst proposal ever when he tried to do a fake ring drop into the lake in New Orleans and the my, his now wife is was confused like what are you doing? She didn't know what he dropped and then he said it was a ring and then he pulled out the real ring. It was it it, it was not well executed. We're told uh, this is worse than that. This is just preposterous. To get absolutely lit up, he's gonna, he would be on jacked up on countdown. If uh, and this is in the proposal, this is the worst proposal I've ever seen. I'm leaving it. All right, as a girl, I'm gonna let y'all know. Literally, just propose like a normal person. I did to my that. current wife uh, on the floor, I mean, on, the, on the kitchen in our house, which was being totally repainted. So there were drop claws everywhere, ladders, paint brushes, rollers. Looked like a construction zone in there. It worked out just fine. 
still better than that. Yes. All right, two-time major champion Colin Mark Morikawa and number six ranked player Max Homa are teaming up in the Zurich Classic next month. They're the team to beat. Take it or leave it. I would take it. Really awesome get for the Zurich Classic that's coming up here next month. It's two weeks after the Masters. My little favorite little run of uh, of golf tournaments of the year because you got the Masters, which is obviously phenomenal, and then you got. Hilton Head the next week, which I got to play, fortunately, a couple of years ago on a guy's trip. So I kind of know that course as well. And then they come to New Orleans, and I've played TPC a dozen times or so. So i kind of familiar with all three of those golf courses, and that's uh, that's a really fun stretch. But the Zurich you know, is not an elevated event, um, which they're doing on the PGA Tour this year, and that's the ones with the huge purses that all the top players play in and have to play in. So you, know, you're, you kind of struggle to put a field together at times. And to get Colin Morikawa and Max Homa to come, that will be the headline team in the field. And... Uh, you know, Morikawa is a Zurich guy, so he's going to play in his his main sponsor's title event. But to get Max to come in, those two guys are, are phenomenal players, and uh, I think that's a great draw for the Zurich. Zurich's one of my favorite weekends of the year to go out there, and you get a great look at the professional players. You can get pretty close to them. It's not overly crowded. Like a you know, football game can get a little hectic and crazy. This is just out in the open. There's got they do a good job of you know kind of positioning the bars and snack areas and it's just a it's just a fun time to go out there. So I'm planning on going Saturday of the Zurich and I will be following Morikawa and Homa because I think they'll make the cut. I think they'll be a tough team to deal with. So that's a, a big get for the Zurich to get those two guys top ten players in the world and Morikawa as you mentioned a two time major champ. So I will take that for sure. I'll do it for take it or leave it. Thank you. Alondra I am now going to turn all of my attention to Alec Box Stadium for the next two days. Cannot wait to get out there tonight. Six o'clock first pitch. You can catch it on Eagle 98.1, our sister station, at 5.30 pregame. Chris Blair and, uh, and Doug Thompson. It should be an awesome one. I mentioned this at the top of my show. Tennessee's got the pitching advantage in the next two games. That's that's my opinion. Um, and I think it's fairly substantial in terms of track record. With with Chase Burns tonight, Drew Beam tomorrow, you know, Ty Floyd's had a nice LSU career, but he hasn't ever really anchored himself into a an SEC weekend starter and 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 dominant one. He hasn't proven that yet. He was good last week. Let's hope he builds on it. And then Thatcher Hurd got to find it on Sat- uh, Saturday against uh, against Drew Beam, who's not as electric as Dolander or Burns, but is very very effective uh, change in speeds and can really pitch. So uh, I'm I'm very very curious to see how this thing shakes out uh, with the Tigers and the Vols. Should be another thirteen thousand plus in there tonight. Should be an electric environment, and I hope the home team puts on quite a show uh, for that crowd. My gut tells me, as we had Mark Etheridge on in the first hour, that I think they'll split. I think LSU will take two out of three in this series. They'll split the next two, and that would be a huge success for LSU. Um, You're talking about, as of Sunday, really having potentially the most difficult stretch of your SEC schedule behind you. That's a trip to College Station. That's a tough weekend against an Arkansas team that's very good. And then the Vols, who are as talented as anybody not named LSU in Florida. Um, and then you're looking at teams that you should be able to handle for the majority of your SEC schedule moving forward. So huge, huge weekend this weekend. Hopefully the Tigers can get it done. Lady Tigers tonight at 6 o'clock as well. You can find that on 100.7. The Tiger, if you want to listen to it, Patrick Wright will have the call. That's it for us here on a Friday. If you missed any of the show, you can catch it on demand, 1045ESPN.com's On Demand tab. You can also find us on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Google And you can find us on YouTube, where we archive all of our audio and video each and every day. Subscribe to our channel. Give us some likes, rate, review. We certainly do appreciate it. We led the show with LSU and Tennessee. And then we talked to Mark Etheridge from D1 Baseball. Uh, uh, um, David Grubb from Hard in the Paint Podcast with us at 2 o'clock. And uh, I gave some final four thoughts. And then we talked to Cobble from Dallas. Our Friday show is brought to you by Corks, Cajun Fried Fish and Shrimp. Get on by Corks for dinner tonight. It's 
awesome fried fish, awesome fried shrimp. They can help you with your catering as well. It's on government between Jefferson and Foster. They bring you our Friday shows. We love those guys and appreciate what they do for us. The same guys that brought you Kuyon's Barbecue. Their food is phenomenal over there at Corks. All right, Matt's over at Hogs for Cause. He's about to drive you home. I'm going to go home, change some clothes. I'm headed to the box. Let's get it done tonight. Purple and gold. Have an awesome weekend. We're back Monday, same time, same place. It's the Hunt Palmer Show.